Do you ever feel like you want a fresh start? Just have a, a desire for things to kind of be made new again? Maybe in your, it may be in a relationship with someone or maybe in life altogether. Sometimes we go through times where it's almost like I kind of wish I could have a do-over. I wish that there was something kind of fresh and new. You've probably had a time where you thought to yourself, I, things aren't what I expected them to be. Things I, I thought were going to be different than what they are now. Things are different than what they used to be, and I, I want to get back to where I was. We start a new sermon series today, as Cody mentioned, in the book of Nehemiah. I'm titling the series, The Hope of a New Beginning. The book of Nehemiah is a story of rebuilding It is a story of restoration and a story of renewal. The historical background to the book of Nehemiah is the people of God, after constant rebellion against him, disobedience and sin against the holy God, had suffered the consequences of those sins. And that included Babylon taking over and sending the people of God from their homeland, from the land that the Lord had promised them, into exile, almost a thousand miles away. And for extended period of time, they stayed there, generations of people living in exile, out of the land that the Lord had promised to give them, because of their own sin and rebellion. But God wasn't through with His people God had made promises to his people, and God is a faithful God, and he was going to continue to work in them and through them. And so God worked after a period of time in the hearts of the Persian king to allow some of the exiles to go back into their homeland and start to rebuild and start to restore things. And that's the kind of background and the context of where Nehemiah falls. As far as a time frame, we're looking at 450 B.C., so about 450 years before the birth of Christ, before the Savior comes into this world, is where we find Nehemiah. God is working in this story to gather his people again for a purpose. God is working to restore his people, to use them in his mission to bring the Savior of the world. To shape them into the people that God desired them to be. Because remember, God's choosing of the nation of Israel and building them up into what they were was not for their glory. It was always intended for His glory. It was always intended that the nation, that the people of God, would be used to point people to their God. To be a light that would show the rest of the world the grace of God that could be found, the forgiveness and the love of God that could be experienced. Of course, physical rebuilding is not the 
only thing that we look around and think, I, I wish things were different. And, and relational rebuilding is not the only thing where we may experience where I wish things were different. I wish things were like what they used to be. This story is a story of spiritual rebuilding. And that's something that applies to us still to this day. It applies to each of us on a personal level. You likely have, and if you haven't, you likely will go through seasons personally where you feel like the Lord is working in just a miraculous way, revealing Himself in new and fresh ways on a daily basis. I've gone through seasons like that where it's just... It feels like the Spirit of God is setting me on fire for something and revealing Himself in such a beautiful, new, fresh way over and over again. And I have also experienced, and you have also likely experienced, times that are the polar opposite of that. Seasons that feel very dry and desolate. Seasons that feel like, I, I feel so distant from the Lord. I feel like even when I try, I'm not connecting with Him. I'm not hearing from Him. And so you may go through a season where you feel like, I need a fresh start. I want things to feel like they used to. Many of us, after coming to faith, have that experience of like, really feeling on fire for the Lord, and then it starts to dwindle over time. And we look back and think, I don't know why things aren't like that anymore. And so this story is a wonderful story for us today. Not just personally, but for the church. Church global, and more specifically, it's a really important story for Dogwood Church. Some of you have been here for a really long time. Even if you haven't been, you may look around and think, it seems like things used to be different here. I've heard in the last two years, over and over again, you know, we used to. You know, at one point in time, we did... Over and over. And I think there's a, an undercurrent of that. Of There used to be something going on that's not going on anymore. And I miss that. I long for something fresh and something new. And the story of Nehemiah is really important for us as we examine that and as we desire and pursue a rebuilding a restoration, a renewal of the work of God. I've titled my sermon today, The Start of a New Beginning. The Start of a New Beginning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the third book before the Psalms. So it's one of our Old Testament books. And if you're not, not as familiar with those, if you can find the Psalms, uh, go three books before that and you'll get to Nehemiah. I'm going to read Nehemiah 1. It's just 11 verses, and then I'll pray for us. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. During the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem. And the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. 
They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. I said, Lord, the God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands, let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins that we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances that you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe all my commands... Even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeemed them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today. And grant him compassion in the presence of this man. At the time, I was the king's cupbearer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for what it reveals to us about you. And the hope that we have because of it. And I pray that you open our hearts and minds Help us understand and help us respond accordingly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The central truth for us as we start this series and as we start today's sermon is this. God is a God of new beginnings. That's a really good thing to hold on for us, right? God is a God of new beginnings. The story of the gospel demonstrates that, right? That God would look on rebellious sinners like you and me and say, I'm not content letting them go. And that he would send his own son to die for us so that we could have new life. So that we could be brought back into the family of God and used on the mission of God is proof that God is a God of new beginnings. He works to restore. He works to rebuild. He works to reconcile. That is the gospel. We have a God that even when we are faithless and even when we are disobedient remains faithful to his people. And He desires to restore us. He desires to renew us for His mission and for His glory. And since that's true, we can pursue a new beginning. 
We can look at things and say, I want things to be like they used to be. I want things to be better than they are now. We can pursue that because we have a God who's committed to that for us. The question is, where do we start? And that's where Nehemiah 1 takes us today. The first thing we have in this text is this. The start of a new beginning requires realizing the need. The start of a new beginning requires realizing the need. One through four again. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, during the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days. We'll stop there because we're going to look at the rest of four in a little bit. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for a number of days. So Nehemiah receives a report. Nehemiah is in Susa, almost a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. Likely never been there. Right? He's in exile. But he knows the story of his people. And he knows the story of his God. And he knows what God has been doing. That he's been stirring a remnant. And he's allowed people to start going back into the land to start rebuilding and restoring things to the way that they should have been. The way that God had planned for them to be. And he asks his brother when his brother comes back from the land, what's it like? What's going on in Jerusalem? What's going on in the land of our people? And he receives the report that things are not good. The walls have been torn down. The gates have been burned. And he adds to that that the the people are disgraced. It was a disgrace for the people of God to be in such a vulnerable situation position because a city without walls is at the whim of all of their opponents whatever their opponents want to do to them they will succeed if a force comes against them they have no protection from a physical earthly stance and he says the people are in great disgrace and danger in great trouble So he receives this report and there's a recognition of this isn't how things are supposed to be. This isn't good for things to be like this. It didn't even affect him personally. He's in Susa a thousand miles away. But he recognizes this is not okay. This is not what God desires for his people. And his response was weeping and mourning over the condition of things. He wasn't dismissive and saying, well, that's horrible for them. I hate to hear that for them. He mourned because that was not what God desired for His people. 
That is not how God wanted to use His people. God wanted His people to be a light to this world, pointing them, pointing the world to their God. And so He weeps and mourns. There's the realization things need to be different. When's the last time you've mourned over the condition of your heart? Or the condition of the church. Not thinking, well, that was somebody else's problem. Or this is somebody else's fault. But just a realization. God wants so much more. This is not the way our Lord intends things to be. Mourning the condition of your heart and your life. Mourning the condition of things in the church that need renewal is important. Because it's a recognition. It's a realization. This isn't what the Lord wants for us. He has so much more. That's a good starting point. If we want to see a new beginning in our hearts. With spiritual renewal and refreshing It comes with realizing things aren't the way the Lord wants them to be with me. And if we want to see that in Dogwood Church, it comes with the realization the Lord wants to do more through Dogwood Church. He wants to do more in Dogwood Church, in each of us and through us as a body. A realization that there is a need for renewal is a good starting point. So let's assess, church, individually, let's assess our own hearts. Where do we need renewal? Where do we need restoration? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that. Ways that you've strayed. Ways that you have avoided what it is that He desires for you. Ways that you've walked away. And then... We can start something new. God can start something new. And the same for Dogwood. Let's look and take an honest assessment. God, are there ways we've strayed from You? Is that the reason why things aren't the way they used to be? What is it that You want to be doing in us? And how do we get there? Realize the need. That's what we need for a good starting point of a new beginning. The second thing is this. The start of a new beginning requires dependence upon God. The start of a new beginning requires dependence upon God. It can only be a work of God. Verses 4 and 5. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. I said... Lord, the God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps His gracious covenant with those who love Him and keep His commands. Nehemiah prays as he's mourning the condition of the, the land and the people in the land. He prays because it's only God that can bring about the renewal and restoration. It's only God that can refresh things the way that He intends them to be and put things back in place the way that they should be. And so He prays consistently. Now, we don't see it here, but likely 
most of us don't see it here because of the, it doesn't give us a time frame of uh, months as we understand them. It's using the months in Hebrew. So in the month of Chislev is when this report comes. Chislev is in like November, December of our calendar. At the beginning of chapter 2, which we'll get to next week, but at the beginning of chapter 2, we see that Nehemiah is moved to action to go to the king about this situation. And that happens in the month of Nisan. Nisan is in March, April. Four-month time period. And for four months, what was Nehemiah doing? He was crying out to God. He was depending on the Lord. God, we need you to do something. We need you to work a miracle here. If things are going to be the way that you intended them, if things are going to be right again, if things are going to be good and whole again, we need you, Lord. And so for four months, Nehemiah is praying that consistent prayer for what God desires for the people of God. And the place that he is going to uh, rebuild was showing that he was depending on the Lord. In addition to that, what he says in these first couple of verses of his prayer is a reminder of the dependence on the Lord. I prayed to the God of the heavens... I said, Lord, the God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God. As he's getting ready to ask God to work a miracle in his people again, to use them for his glory again, he's speaking to the God of the heavens. He's speaking to the God who created all things. The God who rules over all things. And so he's speaking to the sovereign creator That's a dependence on the Lord. God, you're the one that made all of this. You're the ones in control of all of this. And so we need you to work in only the way that you can do. And then he goes on. He he prayed to the awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant. We have a God who's faithful to his people, who's always faithful to his people. And so he's crying out to this God, the God who controls all things, the God who is always faithful to his people. God, I need you. We need you. There was a dependence on the Lord. So if we are seeking renewal and refreshing and a restoration in our... (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) If we are seeking renewal... Could you give me a water? Excuse me. Thank you, Sarah Grace. If we are seeking renewal and restoration, we are going to have to depend on the Lord. It's the only way it's going to happen in our own lives and in Dogwood Church. If we are going to be restored and renewed into something fresh, into something beautiful for God's glory, on mission, on God's mission, 
It's going to have to be through depending on the Lord. God, what do you want to do in us? What do you want to do through us? We are here and ready for it. A dependence upon the Lord is necessary, right? If we are going to seek this out, we need the sovereign God of the universe who's always faithful to his people to work. And the good news is, right, we hold on to that, that hope. We have the God who's in control of all things. And if that's true, there's hope, right? There's actual hope about the situation. If God's still in control, and He is, we have hope personally, and Dogwood Church has hope. And he's about the business of renewal and restoration. It's what he loves to do in each of our lives and in our churches. He loves to renew and restore things. So let's depend on him. Let's pray faithfully for God to do fresh and new work in us individually and in us as a church. Pray like we actually depend on the Lord. Pray constantly, admitting, God, I can't do this on my own. It's not something about me just trying harder this time. I need you to work a miracle in me. Let's depend on the Lord. The third thing from this text is this. The start of a new beginning requires confession of sin. The start of a new beginning requires confession of sin. Of sin, verses 6 and 7. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly towards you. And have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Nehemiah confesses sin. His own sin and the sin of the people as a whole. He wasn't even alive that we would be aware of. Almost certainly not. Wasn't even alive when this all started. Right? When they were taken into exile, Nehemiah wasn't, in, it wasn't born yet. He's not the reason they're there. It's his ancestors who led the people astray. It's their rebellion against God. Yet Nehemiah is not content just saying, well, you know, it's those people's problem. They're the ones that did this. He says, would you hear our prayers? We've sinned against you. I have sinned against you. My father's family has sinned against you. All the people of God have rebelled against you. You are a holy, perfect God who is kind enough to tell us what you expect of us. And we rebelled against you. We acted corruptly against you. Going against what your will is for us. And so instead of dismissing, instead of downplaying his role in it, instead of blaming it on someone else, the people who were alive when the exile took place, Nehemiah owns up to his own sin and the sin of the nation. 
God, you are a holy God who deserves faithfulness and obedience because you are always faithful to us and we have sinned against you. Confession of sin is vitally important if we want to see restoration and renewal. We talked about this when we were in the Psalms, Psalm 51. David prays for forgiveness in the first half of that psalm, and then he prays for restoration and renewal that comes with a clean heart. And I talked to us as a church then that Sunday that if we're seeking the, the new heart and the, the fresh renewal of our relationship with God and for God to work in us like He wants, it requires us to be honest about our sin, to actually own up to it. This is the way I've walked away from you. That's necessary for us to experience the start of a new beginning and the restoration that the Lord wants. We have to confess our sin. So let's be a people confessing sin. I spoke with someone this week who was at Dogwood in the early, early days. Like early, early days before probably most of you. And one of the things he said that amazed him was seeing in those early days a confession of sin that he had not experienced in lots of places and that the Spirit of God moved in this place. And part of that happened because people were actually owning up to the ways that they've rebelled against God, the ways that they have gone against the Lord. And so let's be a people that's confessing. It's being honest. God, I've, I've done things that you've, you've told me not to do. I've avoided things that you've clearly instructed me to do. I've sinned. And let's do that as a church. Let's, as we're assessing, God, have we gotten off the mission that you desire for us? Have we gone a path that you didn't desire for us? And if so, let's own that and let's pursue the renewal that the Lord wants to do in us. But it has to come with a confession of sin, individually and as a corporate body. Let's confess and pursue the new beginning that the Lord wants for us. The fourth thing is this. The start of a new beginning requires clinging to the promises of God. The start of a new beginning requires clinging to the promises of God. There's really good news for us. So not only do we have a God who is sovereign and in control of all things, who hears us when we cry out to Him, but He is always faithful. He is always keeping His promises to His people. And so, if we're desiring a new beginning, we need to be clinging to the promises of God that He has for us. That's what Nehemiah does here as he's praying for the Lord to work this miracle. Verses 8 through 10 Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you were unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But. If you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeemed them by your great power 
and your strong hand. Nehemiah is clinging to what God has promised is going to happen. So he says, yes, we're in this position because we did exactly what you told us not to do. And you kept your word. You sent us into exile. You scattered us to the ends of the earth because of our sin and rebellion. But please remember the rest of the promise. And of course, that's not because the Lord is a forgetful God. He's just clinging to the promises that the Lord has made. Remember that you said when and if your people will turn back to you, you're going to gather them again. You're going to use them again. You're going to restore them to what it is that you have for them. You're going to use them on mission again for your glory. So he's holding on to the promises that God had told his people. Of course, that required Nehemiah to know that. Nehemiah knew the story of God. Nehemiah knew the commands of God. Nehemiah knew the promises that God had made. And he knew this is the God who keeps his word. You can be certain of that. And so we're going to hold on to the promises that he has for us. We need to know what Scripture says about the promises God has for us. We don't need to misapply them. That can happen easily where we take a promise out of context. But we do need to know what does God's Word say to us? What is God promising us? And we need to cling to those as we seek God to work something new in us. They give us hope when we remind ourselves God's a promise-keeping God. He always has been and always will be. It's not possible for him to fail in one of his promises to his people. And so as we as a church are starting to ask questions about, Lord, what direction do you want us to go? How do you want to work in us and through us for your glory? How are you working to restore and rebuild and renew things so that we can be used for your glory we need to be aware of and cling to the promises that Scripture says to us. Promises like the, the promise that Jesus says, I will never leave you. I'm always with you. As we get ready for the mission that God has for us, we cling to that promise. God, you're, you are, you're not going to abandon us. You're, you've given us your Spirit. And your Spirit is working in us. And so let's remember the promises that God has given to His church, His people, and pray those. Nehemiah was praying those promises back to God. God, this is, this is what you've said, and so we're pursuing it for your glory, right? We want to be used. The start of a new beginning requires clinging to the promises of God. And then the last thing from this text, the start of a new beginning requires a commitment to the work that is needed. The start of a new beginning requires a commitment to the work that is needed. Verse 11. Still part of the prayer. Please, Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. 
Give your servant success today and grant him compassion in the presence of this man. At the time, I was the king's cupbearer. The story of Nehemiah, and we'll, we'll see this in several places through this story as we work our way through this book over the next probably three months, beautifully captures both, it's like a pairing of God's sovereignty, God's control over all things, and pairing that with human responsibility, right? This is only going to happen if the Lord is in it. This is only going to happen if God is at work. God, we need you. And so a dependence on the sovereignty of God while saying, what do you want me to do? Use me in this work. Work in me and through me for the work that you have, for the work that you are doing, God. And Nehemiah was committed to that. Give your servant success. And what I'm about to go and do I need you to get, grant me success in the work that I'm going to try to start here. Grant me compassion in the presence of this man. And then we learn who that is. Nehemiah is about to go before the king and ask the king for something. He says, at that time, I was the king's cupbearer. One of the most important positions in the royal court, in the royalty for the cupbearer. That was your, one of your most trusted individuals. Because the cupbearer made sure that the wine that the king was going to receive, the drink that he was going to receive, had nothing that would harm him in it. He had to ensure and often would prove this is good by tasting it himself. Say, you can trust this. He was in an important position before the king. Likely had a really nice life in Susa. We don't know for sure. The text doesn't give us that. But in such a trusted and important position before the king, he likely got to experience some things that other people didn't get to experience. And he doesn't say, well, God, help those people out over there. He says, grant me success. What do you want me to do, Lord? And and that happens in this story over and over again. Nehemiah being willing to be a part of the work, a part of the solution, not content just asking God to work a miracle over there, saying, send me, use me, however it is, and grant me success in the work that you have for me. So still depending on God's control and God's goodness, but committed to the work. I'll do whatever is necessary. He wasn't content just lamenting the state of things. He was willing to take action about it. And he's going to stir the people into that. As we go through this story, we'll see that over and over again. That that the people of God as a whole have a work to be done. The people of God have a part in the work. It may look different. It will look different. But there is... All of the people of God had a part in the work of rebuilding and restoring and being used again by God for His glory. And Nehemiah captures that so wonderfully in this story. He was willing to work and he asked God, grant me success in this. So, do you want a new beginning? 
Maybe you personally are in a place in your life where you feel like things are kind of parched and you don't feel like God is working in your life like He's done before. And you're thinking, God, I just want things like they used to be. I want to feel that passion. I want to feel connected to you in a miraculous way. Do you want a new beginning for dogwood? Rethink, I, I want to quit saying, you know, we used to. I don't want that to be my story anymore. We used to have, or we used to do. Do you want to see renewal and restoration? Not just for us to experience something that we like, or not so that we can just be the name that people are talking about, but in order to be a part of what God is doing to reach this lost world with the good news of the gospel, do you want to see renewal and restoration in that? In your life and in your church, let's be willing to be used by God. Let's not just pray for it. Yes, we have to pray for it. And yes, we have to depend on the Lord. And then let's say, grant me success in the work that you're going to give me. Work in me and through me to bring about what it is that you want to do in my life and in this church so that you can get the glory, God. So that people will hear of your great name. So that people can experience the grace and forgiveness that's available because of Jesus Christ. Let's be committed to the work of restoration and renewal. Remember where we started with the central truth. God is the God of new beginnings. Amen? Many of you have experienced that. All of us who have come to faith in Christ have experienced that. He is a God of new beginnings. And many of us have experienced in our lives a renewal and a restoration and just new life where things felt so lifeless before. That happens because God is a God of new beginnings. And since He is... We can pursue new beginnings for our own spiritual life. We can pursue new beginnings for our church, for dogwood, so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so we can be on the mission that God wants us to be a part of for His glory. So let's start pursuing that today by recognizing the need, taking an honest look at things and and recognizing there's need for renewal By praying and depending on the Lord. Because if it's going to happen, it's only going to happen through His miraculous work. By confessing ways that we've strayed. By confessing ways that we've gone against God. By clinging to the promises and knowing He's a promise-keeping God. He's not going to fail at this one. And by being willing to be a part of the solution, being willing to do whatever is necessary to bring about the renewal, to bring about the restoration that God desires for his people, we want to be a part of his mission. So let's pursue all of these things for his glory. Let's pray. God, you are a good and faithful God. And we ask for you to continue to stir up in our hearts and our minds just clarity 
about us as individuals and us as a church of ways that we have strayed from you and from your mission and your desire for our lives. Help us be clear on what the condition of our hearts are. Help us pursue a new beginning for your glory. Thank you that you're always faithful. Thank you for being a promise-keeping God who's in control of all things. And we know that we have hope because that is true. And so, God, we ask you now, we plead with you now to work, to restore us into the people that you want us to be so that we can be a light to this world, to this community, and to the whole world, however it is that you want to use us. We want to make much of Jesus, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.